0: Luke chapter 2 from the English uh, Standard Version this morning, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And when they were there, the, same came, or the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that we can gather here this morning. It's your kindness that brings us to repentance, and it aligns our hearts and our minds with yours. So help us this morning to focus our minds on what is important. In this quietness, Father, erase any busyness that distracts us from having an Advent season that prepares us for the celebration of Christmas. Bless our pastor as he brings us your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: there we go, how much money do you think you will spend on Christmas this year? I know that's probably not something that you really want to think about this morning, and I I don't blame you, but Global News estimates that Canadians will spend $53 billion on Christmas this year, $53 billion, and they say that much of that will be spent in the week just the week before Christmas. So if you're a last minute shopper, Rob, you're in good company. But it's fun to give gifts at Christmas time, isn't it? We enjoy giving gifts to the people that we love. My wife and I love giving to our kids. And this year we have a two year old granddaughter who will add much to the entertainment and to the craziness of our Christmas morning. But it's fun to watch their. Faces light up on Christmas when they open up that special gift, maybe something that you've made or, or created for them. But This morning, our focus is going to be on the very first Christmas and the very first Christmas gift ever given. As we begin to uh, unpack this familiar passage of Scripture and this very familiar story, let's consider, first of all, the time when the gift was given. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Now, in the Roman Empire at the time, there were only two reasons for a census ever to be taken. to, To assess taxation... Was one, and to determine who was eligible for military service. And since uh, Jewish people were exempt from military service, that census in Palestine would have been for taxation purposes only. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> but in this short account of the birth of Jesus, Luke will underscore the infinite power and wisdom of God that appears in the providential circumstances and the practice of uh, uh, the timing of Jesus' birth, the precise timing of his birth. In those days, in those particular specific days in all of history, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken. And a census like this was taken every 14 years. Every 14 years, they would uh, take a census of the known world. And from the year 20 AD till about 270 AD, we possess the actual documents of the censuses taken during, in those 14-year periods. From 20 AD to 270 AD, archaeologists have unearthed these precise documents. Modern-day scholars have these documents available to them thanks to modern-day archaeology. So we can actually prove that the census was taken when the Bible says it was taken. So it just adds a a little more scientific or archaeological evidence to the veracity or the truthfulness of Scripture. And so the gospel writer, Dr. Luke, clearly intends to secure the historical and chronological moorings of Jesus' birth in these opening verses of Luke chapter 2. It was during those days... But Caesar Augustus issued that decree. In other words, this is not a fairy tale. This is not a story created by Hallmark or by Hollywood, but rather by the Holy Spirit of God. It actually happened at a very specific moment in history. And the Apostle Paul affirms this when he writes in Galatians chapter 4, That when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. When the fullness of time had come, there were certain things that needed to transpire, to take place before the fullness of time had come. Not every time is a fullness of time, but here in this precise season of history, God determined that the fullness of time had come, and He sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. So when the right time came at exactly the right moment, God entered the world as a baby blows my puny little brain. And God's timing is always perfect. When the fullness of time had come. Historians tell us that the Roman world was in great expectation at the time Jesus was born. The old religions were dying off. The old philosophies were empty and powerless to change men's lives. Strange new ideas and strange new mystery religions were actually invading the empire. Religious bankruptcy and spiritual hunger were everywhere. You see, God was preparing the world for the arrival of His Son. So for the first time in history, we know that roads connected city to city and all cities ultimately to Rome. And for the first time in history the gospel could now spread easily from city to city and region to region. The birth of Jesus at this exact time in history was no accident. And it was not a coincidence or a twist of fate. It was by divine appointment. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. God's timing is always perfect in our lives too. Might not seem that way, but just at the right time, God answers prayer. Not before it's needed, not too late, but just at the right time. At the right time, God unveils His plan. At the right time, God reveals His purpose. At the right moment, God opens up a new door of opportunity. In the fullness of His time, God meets all our needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. But God's timetable is not always the same as ours. Have you noticed that? Those of you who've been on the way for a while, your timetable and God's timetable might be just a little different from time to time. And God says, well, my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, Isaiah 55. So his thoughts, his ways, his timing is higher than ours, better than ours. So let's just trust him to work out his sovereign plan in our lives, shall we? Let's just trust him, knowing that his timing is perfect. And now let's consider the place where the gift was given. Luke chapter 2, verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, because a census had been declared. He went to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. So the prophet Micah, had predicted where the Messiah, Mashiach, would be born or would would be raised up. And and it was to be Bethlehem. Bethlehem was the town that Micah uh, prophesied about. Micah was a prophet of God in, in, in southern Judah. And he prophesied somewhere between, we don't know the exact time, but somewhere between 750 and 686 B.C., And that was during the the reign of Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah. So there's a historical mooring to that part of the story also. Folks, 700 years before Jesus was born, Micah prophesied about the precise place where he would be born. And he said, You, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, in other words, from eternity, from ancient times. So where did Joseph and Mary go to respond to the census that was declared? They went to Bethlehem. And where was Jesus born? He was born in Bethlehem. Well, Matthew tells us in his gospel account that King Herod assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, Matthew chapter 2. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, well, in Bethlehem in Judea, for so it's written by the prophet. And then they quote the prophet Micah. It was just like, what's what's the matter with you? Everybody knows that the Messiah is going to be born, the Savior is going to be born in Bethlehem. He's he's to come out of Bethlehem. What's the matter with you? Well, it was Herod. He wasn't raised as a Jew. It was common knowledge among the Jews, though. Messiah, the Savior, The anointed one of God would come from Bethlehem. It always reminds me of the one and only time that my wife and I sang a duet together. It went so poorly, we've never sung together since then. Years ago, the leaders in our church thought it would be a really cute idea if the pastor and his wife sang a duet. So we sang the little town of Bethlehem. Patty went into one of her parts like she loves to do, harmonize, and I was totally lost. I mean, I was so totally lost, I couldn't even find my nose at that moment. It was just really, really bad. And so every time I talk about Bethlehem, I have this moment of panic. Okay, it's not about the song, it's about the place. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And so once again, because of the prophecy of Micah, 700 years before the Virgin Mary gave birth to, 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 to Jesus in Bethlehem, we see the superseding, intervening, overruling providence of God in all of this, in all of the little facts along the way. Nothing was left to coincidence or accident. God cared about the details back then. And He cares about the details of our lives today. Today. We can affirm with confidence that God knows not only the right time for you, in the fullness of time, He'll answer prayer. In the fullness of time, He'll reveal His plan. In the fullness of time, you'll get that job. But rather, He knows the right place for you too. He knows the right time. He knows the right place. On this very first Christmas, if God made certain that Jesus was born in this obscure little village called Bethlehem to fulfill the scriptures and to fulfill the law of God, don't you think he's big enough and strong enough and wise enough to know where you belong to? Where should I attend university? Some of our students are asking that question these days. One of them told me they're going on a university tour, going to the University of Waterloo. So they'll be exposed to all the different options in Ontario where they can go to school. Lord, where am I going to school? Fear not. I have a place for you. Where am I going to find a job? I've been unemployed now for three and a half months. I have no work. Where am I going to find a job? Fear not. God has a place for you. Where should I serve in my church? What should I be doing? Well, believe me, we have plans for your life. (laughs) Where is God leading us next? And question after question about the placement of our lives. But if God's timing and and, and God's placement were perfect for Jesus, they'll be perfect for you too. He hasn't forgotten about you. He knows the exact timing of your life and he knows the exact place where you belong. We have nothing to worry about, so let's just trust him. And finally, we examine the manner in which the gift was given. Verses 6 and 7, Luke chapter 2. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Some of you have never been on a farm. But believe me, stables stink. And this stable where Jesus was born that night stunk like all stables stink. It was a stinky place. The stench of urine and manure just hung in the air. The ground is hard, the hay is scarce, the cobwebs are hanging from the rafters, and a mouse scampers across the dirt floor. A more humble place of birth could not be found. Majesty in the midst of the mundane, holiness surrounded by sheep droppings, Divinity entering the world on the floor of a stable through the womb of a teenager in the presence of a carpenter. Imagine that. We rehearsed the story and some of our stories at our Christmas banquet just the other night, and it started to put into place some of our thinking, our pondering about the season. We began to reflect on the humbleness of the birth of Jesus Christ. Had He come to serve mankind with royal majesty, surrounded by His Father's angels, we might not have recognized Him. Had He chosen to dwell in a palace with great power and great affluence, we would have cause to wonder, can He really relate to us? But the Bible says that He made Himself nothing. He humbled Himself and took on the form of Of a servant. And and though he was God, he did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant and being born in human likeness. That's what the Bible says about Jesus, this magnificent, grand, sovereign master of the universe who came as a baby. The Bible says that the world became flesh and dwelt among us. He was full, full of grace and truth. The Bible says that Jesus came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says that even though Jesus was rich and all of heaven's riches were at his disposal, yet for our sake he became rich so that we, by his poverty, might become rich. It's just like everything is turned upside down in God's economy and in God's kingdom. The first will be last and the poor shall be rich and the richest one in all of the universe became small. Poor so that we who are beggars and desperate can become rich. Talk about mind-blowing reality. This is it. Thanks be to God. Lord Jesus, you can blow my mind any day you want <laughs> with this kind of truth. It's spectacular. And why? Why did He do? Why did He do that? Why did He do that for us? For me? For you? Why? Well, the Bible says that God loves us so much that He gave His one and only Son so that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life. That's why God loved the world. God so loved the world. It's just not just love. It's extreme love. He so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that we might have life. Love drove Jesus to the cross, and love kept him there. Well, if you are who you say you are, why did not you come down off that cross? He needed to stay there and die there because he loves us. And God's righteous demands demanded a sacrifice. And you know, although we will never match the gift giving of our Father in heaven, never in a million, gazillion, billion, quadrillion years, we'll never match the gift giving of our Father, we can, however, share His love with other people. We can share a little piece, a little slice, a little speck of love here and there and wherever we go, whatever we do. We can share His love, and we should. Beloved, let us love one another. Why? Because... Love is from God, and He wants us to share His love with people. God sent His Son at the perfect time to the ideal place in the most excellent way. No amount of money, no amount of money can buy the most important Christmas gift, the gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. $53 billion might be spent by Canadians on Christmas this year, but no amount of money in the entire world can buy this gift that God has given us, salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. When God sent His Son to be born of a virgin in the fullness of time in this little town of Bethlehem, He gave us the best gift of all. You know, there's a story about a a customs officer who observes this truck pulling up to the border. And Sixth Sense, I don't know what they call it, if it's just their training or they have a sense about these things, but he he was suspicious. And he orders the driver out of the vehicle and, and then searches the vehicle. He pulls off panels and bumpers and wheel cases, but finds not a single trace of illegal imports. Suspicious still, but at a, at a loss to know where else to look, he has to let the driver go. The very next week, the same driver pulls up. Again, the customs guy tears the vehicle apart piece by piece, and again, he finds nothing. Now, this goes on, according to the story, for years. And every week, on the same day, this truck driver, about the same time, arrives at the border and crosses at customs. The customs officer tries everything. I mean, over the years, he has tried everything to try and catch this guy. He's so suspicious that this guy is is smuggling something. Full-body searches. They did x-ray. They used sonar on the guy's trucks. Anything that they could think of, and each and every time They found nothing, and each and every time, they had to let the truck driver go. Finally, after many years now, the officer, the customs guy that can almost now smell this guy coming from miles away, is ready to retire. But this is killing him. And so when the guy drives up the week of the customs officer's retirement, he says, I know you're a smuggler. Don't even try and deny it. I know that you've been smuggling something for years, but I'll be darned if I can find out what it is. I'm retiring this week. There is nothing I can do to you. I, I, I promise you that I cannot do anything to, to prosecute you. Won't you please tell me what you've been smuggling? And the driver looks at him and says, Trucks. I've been smuggling trucks. Many of us miss the obvious at Christmas. It's not about the tinsel and the turkey and the trimmings and the toys. It's all about Jesus. Why do so many of us forget that? Please, folks. If you come to the gathering, let's make this season all about Jesus. Let's exalt Him. Wise men still seek Him. You see the signs. Let's walk in the reality of seeking after God this Christmas. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, this is the Christmas season. As Dave Bolander said at the beginning of our service, This is the second Sunday of Advent, and we're right in that season of the year where we celebrate the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to earth. And one day, one day, Lord Jesus, you'll be coming back again, and we want to be ready. We want to be ready and watching for your return. But now in this season, we've begun our celebrations of the miracle and the mercy of your birth. Jesus, we're so... We're so grateful today that you came from eternity into time and space, and that you lived in our place and you died in our place. We're grateful that you were raised for our justification and that you are coming back again someday. For the certainty of your birth, we worship you. And for the assurance of our rebirth, we adore you. But Father, we also praise you for the quietness of the birth of Jesus. I mean, any, any other king would have come with great fanfare, perhaps a royal entourage and, and muscle-flexing pride. But Lord Jesus, you came into our world in utter weakness and with profound humility. No room in the inn? Well, that wasn't an insult to you. It was your choice. It was your plan. It was the way of the gospel. You never considered your equality with God something to be grasped or held on to or selfishly hoarded. Rather, you made yourself nothing. Nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant. And Lord, in your obedience, you... You you took our judgment and you died our death. The death we deserve to die, you died in our place. So Lord Jesus, even today we look so forward to the day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you're Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's going to be a loud and large day. But today, today on this second Sunday of Advent, we bow before you with quiet wonder Humble adoration and unsurpassed peace. Hallelujah. The gospel is true. The gospel is true. Lord, this year, as we seek to get as close as we can to the meaning and significance of that very first Christmas, I pray that many of our friends and family will discover the meaning and purpose of it all, too. That we none of us here will miss the obvious.